I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. That I will meditate therein. Both day and night. On a chapter in the morning. And a chapter in the evening. And because I do. My life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch. Come on. Everything I touch. Now turns to success. You believe that? Shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to meditate your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask you to shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it. Your word for us today. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all that agree with that prayer said, amen, amen. amen. Well, if, you, if you've got your family together or if it's just you, uh, grab your Bibles, amen, and let's get ready to dig into the word of God in the name of Jesus. And I'm just going to continue right where we left off in a series that we've been on. And uh, we're going to start today in the book of Romans, chapter 13. In Romans, chapter 13, verse 8 says, To owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So we're continuing our series that we've been calling, What Kind of Church Are We? And through this series, we've also been looking at what kind of person are you? This is a series about core values. And each and every one of these things are very significant in our lives as a church family. We're challenging them to be significant in your life. The Bible says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, can two walk together except they be in agreement? And so we are taking time to show you, especially if you're visiting, if you're checking out, Faith Family Church, if you're looking for a new church home, it's a perfect time because we're showing you who we really are at our core. And today is one of those amazing subjects that I believe that you'll enjoy. So number 14, which means we've covered a lot already. What in answering the question, what kind of church are we? Number 14, we are a debt free church. <laughs> we are a debt free church. And we mean that literally. We don't we don't owe anyone anything but to love them as this scripture has said. But more importantly, the church is not just an organization. It is the collection of families and the people that make up the church. And what we're saying is the members that are a part of faith family, because this is a part of our core, we believe in being debt free. And so notice here in Romans chapter 13, as we dig into this for a minute, in Romans 13 verse 8, He says to owe no man anything. Now, my father taught me from the time I was young that the Bible is the word of God and the word of God is the will of God. And the will of God is what he wants for you. And when you do what he wants you to do, he blesses you. Amen. So this scripture is telling you what to do. He's saying, put yourself in a position in life where you don't owe anybody anything. 
Now think about that for a moment. In your life, who do you owe? What's in your wallet? <laughs> it's kind of like somebody said, get your hand out of my pocket. A lot of times that is because we live life owing. We, 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 I remember the first credit card I got was on a college campus. You know, I, 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 you know, the advice is, is to, you know, start small, build your credit. And, you know, this idea that that debt will help you to succeed in life. But I see something different in the word of God and I choose to live my life. If I see it in the word of God, I want to align myself to it. So when, when God said, wasn't just Paul, but when God said to owe no man anything, was he just speaking figuratively or spiritually? Owe no man anything but to love one another. I think we've taken it often to mean that we are just concentrating on owing love, but we are losing insight into the truth about positioning yourself in life to not owe anybody anything. That's a debt free life. For example, if you were to take this verse literally, you wouldn't borrow for anything. And that's the kind of church that we are. We are believing right now to be able to buy land debt free. We're be- I got a couple amens on that. We're believing to be, be able to build millions of dollars worth of buildings completely debt free that we'll never have to put ourselves in position to go to a bank to to get a loan for a church van or to get a loan for some equipment or get a loan for some land or get a loan to build a building. And you might think, man, you're crazy. You're never going to be able to do. Listen, with God, all things are possible to him that believes. And I'm challenging you today. I'm revealing who we are, but I'm challenging you to be this in your life especially in the moment that we're in right now. Think about it. In 2008, you know, the market went silly. I mean, in 2005, the, the, the motor, the, the big uh, motor companies ended up, they couldn't, you know what the problem was? They couldn't pay their bills and they needed a bail. Come on, y'all help me now. They needed a bailout from the government because they overborrowed. And look at what's going on in the government. You know, trillions of dollars in debt. And it puts you in a, uh, a financially risky position. God's wisdom is best. Amen. And right now in the middle of this situation, what's going on in our country, a lot of people are filled with worry and concern. Things that are happening with the job. If you didn't owe anybody for your car, if you didn't owe anybody for, you know, your, your, your appliances and, you know, your furnishings, if you didn't owe anybody for your student, your, your, your education, you shouldn't stress or worry, you know, about anything. You know, especially knowing that God's got you. Especially when you position yourself. So now, I'm just only up for a few minutes, so don't get nervous. We got my kids here and some teenagers here, and we've got a word from our our youth pastor and our children's pastor. I'm gonna I'm led to do an entire series that's called Get Out and Stay Out, which is a series to teach you how to get out of debt. And then how to stay out of debt. I'm going to give you just a, a, a nugget to interest you enough. And I believe this is going to be coming up real soon. And we, we've got Easter coming and some other things. But as the Spirit of God unctions me, I'm getting ready to do a Faith Family Church broadcast on Faith Plus uh, Network. And I'm going to do it on the subject of get out. When you look at what's going on around the world, if the stock market crashes, there are going to be a lot of people that are in dire situations because of debt. Amen. 
But when you insulate yourself, you'll be in a good godly position. Amen. I mean, my wife and I, we've just experienced several financial miracles. I mean, a thousand dollars two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And then I told about two thousand dollars. Then uh, this one wasn't uh, a miracle. The IRS owed us a ton of money <laughs> from last year. I think when they saw the return, they were like, that's just too much to give somebody. Matter of fact, they, they had to give us more money than we had paid in taxes, you know, because we had a baby. And I was thinking, I need to have another baby. <laughs> My wife is shaking her head. We got two little kids. You know, she told me two is enough. You know, it's me and you and we'll never be outnumbered. All right. So we, we've experienced like financial miracles, you know. $10,000 coming to our family, and I give praise and glory to God within the last, you know, three or four weeks. But I can tell you, we, because we believe Romans 13 and 8, a good chunk of that is going to put us within a few thousands of dollars of being completely and totally debt free. Let me say, well, Pastor, you, you need a new car. Well, well God's got me. Amen. And this is how we riding right now. But don't worry about that. Don't, don't be moved by what you see because the windows of heaven will open and you'll be like, oh, the pastor now. <laughs> so let's get into a couple of scriptures and then we'll move on. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7, the Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. This is the wisdom of God. God says that the rich Rule over the poor. Notice there's only two classes in this verse. In the country, there's the, the, the upper class, there's the middle class, and then there's the lower class. In the Bible, there's only two classes, the rich and the poor. I believe with all my heart that the middle class was invented by the rich to make poor people think that they, that they got something. But if you, it got quiet because most of us fall in that category. There is no middle class. There's either the rich and guess what? The rich rule over the poor. And, and the inference is, is that when it goes on to say that the borrower is servant to the lender, the poor are the borrowers. Rich people don't need to borrow. They're rich, right? And they end up then, because they are in a place of surplus, they end up in a, being in a place where they can lend and not have to borrow. So notice God's idea is, is not for you to put yourself in a position of servitude. God doesn't want you to be in servitude to anybody. And that's why he said, don't hold, don't put yourself in a position to borrow for that. You got a vacation coming up? Don't put it on the credit card to borrow for that. You got, you don't want to do something for education? Don't, believe for a grant. Believe for a, a scholarship. Believe for a miracle of heaven to come. We serve God Almighty and He is more than able. Marriage is getting into so much trouble because of money. Amen. And I'm challenging you. I know you're connected. I know you're hearing me. And I just challenge you over the next, whenever that series comes, Really dial in because a lot of us, over 70 percent, not only in, in, in the house where we're meeting with the teams that are here helping us to minister to you, but most of the people that are listening to me right now are not debt free. That means we're not acting on the wisdom of God as we should. Think about this. In Matthew chapter six and verse 24, Jesus himself said, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one. 
and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant. In other words, when you borrow, you put yourself in a position of servitude. In other words, some of us are concerned about work. <laughs> we don't go to work because we want to. We go to work because we got to. Am I right? Why? Because if we don't go to work, then they're going to come get the car. If you stop paying because you don't own it, right? If you don't go to work, they're going to come get the house. Why? Because you don't own it, right? And so, so many are in a position of servitude and they're trying to serve God. And they're, but, but at the same time, because of making decisions about debt, they don't believe in being debt free. Uh, and, and so as a result, they put themselves in position. And so now they're trying to do what Jesus said you can't do. Glory to God. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. I believe with all my heart, I don't mean to be creepy, but I believe mammon is a demon spirit that's behind death. He'll seduce you with 39 easy payments. You can get this jet ski. You owe it to your family to buy this timeshare. You can afford it. Let's look at your debt to income. Well, you got enough in there to be able to. And they don't even consider that you should be honoring God with your tithe. Oh, you can you can afford this bigger house. You can get a better car. You got a room. You just got a promotion. <laughs> I'll end this segment with this. And, and, and this is the number one problem with people who borrow that are believers. And so I want you to hear me because, again, the overwhelming majority of us have put ourselves in a position. So we're not debt free. We're not doing Romans 13. What if he meant it literally? And I believe that he did. There's some, you know, churches, pastors that don't believe that it's a sin to borrow. They don't believe that it's a problem as it were, as long as it's managed and controlled. Um, God says, I want you to either be hot or cold. Right. Uh, and, and I know this is a big leap of faith. I mean, we're, we're outgrowing facilities. We need one of the reasons why I'm standing in my home ministering to you is because we don't have our own building. I mean, the, the, the school system shut us down and that shouldn't be. You know, we ought to be able to call our own shots. And when you own land and you have your own, the government can't come in and take what belongs to you. Right. Amen. So it's a big deal to take the position that, you know what, as a congregation, we're not going to put ourselves in position abroad. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care. You know, well, we really, really need. No, God will. Come on. I believe this with my heart. He will make a way. Here's the number one problem with that. Let's look in Proverbs 18, 24. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh close, closer than a brother. Now, one of my brothers is here with me today. And, uh, man, you know, when you have a brother, they're close, right? Brother, family member, close. But the Bible talks about there, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I believe that people have become friends with debt. And that debt is the friend that when you want to borrow something from your brother, he's like, no, man, I can't do that. You know, you know I'm, not, I'm not helping you on that. There's a friend called debt that'll stick closer to you than a brother. Listen to me, folks. The number one problem is not seeing debt as an enemy. Some people see debt and the people that use debt See it as a friend. 
What do you do with a friend? When you don't have nobody else to turn to, hey man, can you help me get this? Oh man, I, I don't have this right now. Can you help me pay for this, this, this education? Can you help me get a car? You know, we, we sit there with the hat in the hand to ask and treating debt like it's a friend. Amen. So that's my challenge to you. Number 14, we are a debt free church. There's more to come about that. And I, I pray that when the time comes that you'll make a hard decision. I'm going to in this series on get out and stay out. I'm going to give you seven big steps that are guaranteed to get you out of debt and, and for you to stay out of debt. Amen. 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 The next thing we're going to look at today before we go is that we are a unity church. We are a unity church. In Amos chapter three and verse three, we know it because this is the series is what it's based on. He said, can two walk together unless they agree? Think about how passionate we are as a church concerning unity. This whole series is so that we could be in one accord so that you're not a member of faith family church, but don't believe in faith or don't believe in prayer, or don't believe in health and healing or don't believe in, in debt freedom and, and don't believe in other, these other things that we're, we're presenting. When you engage in a serious relationship, you want to make sure that that person holds the same beliefs that you do that you do. And one of the things that is core to us at faith family church is unity. I can remember one of our assistant pastors, Braun Bryant, five years ago, or almost six, when I was ministering on this subject, this message alone was one of the two that really sealed the deal for him to become a part of this church. And we pray that it'll be the same for you. Unity is what this is all about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm, I'm, today I'm, I'm ministering to the worship team who's, who's helping me to be able to minister to you. We're all connected together. I'm personally involved with the worship team in the rehearsals and week to week. And they've just, just done an amazing job. And one of our passions in this team and in this church is being in one accord, you know, that that the tenors and the altos and the sopranos be perfectly joined together with the, the, the keyboardist and the bass guitar and the drummer. Praise God that we become one in unity. And this is what Paul pleads. He pleads with us that we all would speak the same thing. Now, how is it can, that, a, that a group of people can speak the same thing? For instance, I use this all the time. I want to be in unity with my wife and that if I'm not home and the Kirby vacuum salesman comes or the Hoover vacuum salesman comes and they want her to buy a $1,500 vacuum on these 24 easy payments, right? I want her to be able to tell them, no, thank you. Just like I was saying, not interested, right? I would want her to be able to speak. Well, how can you do that? Well, you first have to be of the same mind. When you think the same, you'll eventually end up speaking the same, right? And the third, the third thing on that is to be of the same decision making. In other words, they're not here right now to decide the same way, but our decision making is essentially the same. Praise God. And then the other two, there's five things. Speak the same. You got to think the same and you got to make the same decisions. But then two more elements of unity 
is that we be perfectly joined again. Think about what we can do as a church if we were perfectly united together in faith for five or six or 15 or 20 million dollars. Amen. Think about what can be done in the spirit of unity. So Paul urges us to be on the same page. In Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, <clears throat> it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Notice what happens when there is unity. God shows up big. Listen, it ought to be the number one core value of your marriage. Is to be unity, that two become one. Amen. When you become one, everything becomes one. You become one in name and aim and purpose and focus and direction. You do things in one accord. It's not his, that, and her, that, and that's my, and certainly that's my bank account, and that's your bank account. Oh, it got quiet. And here's the funny thing, and I'm ministering to you. You're listening to me right now. And one of the big issues in marriage relationships tie back to money. And it comes because I have a vision to do things this way and they have a vision to do things that way. And that division causes stress and struggle and strain. Amen. My challenge to you is to make unity a big deal in your life, being on one accord. And I'm telling you, worship team, God has taken us to a new level. We've been sensing it. We've been believing for it and praying it. And what it's going to require is when you and I become one. Notice it said when the instruments became one with the voices that the glory of God showed up. And I'm looking forward to the day that we'll be in worship and praise. And the God shows up big when there's unity. This is confirmed in John chapter 17, verse 22. I'm almost done. In John 17, 22, the glory, Jesus prayed, that the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Not only does God show up big where unity is, Jesus prayed for there to be unity. And notice in this verse that he said, I gave them the glory so that they can be in unity. <laughs> Listen, when they were in unity, the glory of God showed up. Jesus prayed that the glory of God would be given to us so that we could be in unity. Jesus prayed for us to have it and the glory shows up when we are in unity. And then in Acts chapter 2. In verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Again, the Holy Spirit showed up. So you got God in the midst of unity. Jesus prayed. He's like, hey, like we have unity. I want them to have unity. And even the Holy Spirit, he showed up when the people were all with one accord in one place. You're there. I'm here. But guess what? We're in one accord. We're connected together. And I'm challenging you to make it a part of the core value of your life. We're making it. We are a unity church. Praise God in the name of Jesus. 
Think about what will begin to fall on us as a family. Think about what will begin to fall on us in our marriages. Think about what will begin to fall on us in our lives as a church when we become one in this way. Matter of fact, there's an example of this and you can play softly. You can play softly. In Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, the whole earth had one language and one speech. Notice, they were of the same mind and they were of the same judgment. They would speak the same thing. And the Lord came down, verse 5, to see the city and the tower which the Son of Man had began to build. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. This people, because of unity, got God's attention. He said, let's go down and see what they're going to do. And I believe with all of my heart that as we become one in faith, one in family, that God will come down and be able to say the same thing of us. This that this people have begun to do. This which they have set out to build. Come on, how many of y'all see us one day being able to build our own fertility? I can tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Not because the money has to come out of our pockets. God's going to show up. Now, he's going to reign in our lives financially and tremendously. I believe it with no doubt. But I believe it's going to become, we're united in faith. That, that, that the members and the, the visitors won't have to come to the church and say, hey, you know, why don't we borrow? And, you know, aren't we in a financial position to be able to borrow? No, we all have the same passion that there's going to be a philanthropist somewhere looking to bless a, a, a nonprofit organization that's preaching the gospel of Jesus and they just so happen to be or one of our teenagers goes off and becomes an NBA star or NFL star and want to sow their tithe into faith family church. I don't know how God is going to do it. I just know, come on, that he is going to do it not only in our church as a family but in your family and in your life. Well, did you get anything out of the Word of God today? Come on, were you blessed by this service today?